invite you to take your Bible and turn with me now to Exodus chapter number 3. Exodus chapter number 3. Exodus chapter number 3. Lord willing, the next time I'll be with you, we will resume our study through the Lord's Prayer. But through my Bible reading this week, I was just really impressed in my heart with this passage, and so would like to share it with you. So Exodus chapter number 3, we will read verse 7 through verse number 10 of the passage. Exodus 3, verse 7 through verse number 10 of the passage. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large, and a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Pezzerites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Let's unite our hearts together in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning because we are mindful of our need of Thee. And how, God, we pray that Thou wouldst bless the preaching of the Word of God. God, we recognize that our efforts in the flesh are vain. And the hymn writer was right, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. And so, God, we desperately need that unction, that function, that ability of the Holy Ghost of God. And so, God, we pray that You'd fill us to the uttermost. God, give us that anointing that does not make preaching just easy, but makes preaching effective. And that, God, that you'd minister to the hearts of those that are here and those that are listening abroad. And, God, we pray now at this moment that you would allow the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart to be acceptable in thy sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. For we ask it in the sovereign name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I've entitled our message this morning, Deliverance from Trial. Deliverance from Trial. And I want to give you a little background information before we arrive at this passage that we are at this morning. There's something that you must understand. In the book of Genesis, in the latter portion of it, Israel became greatly blessed of the Lord. And we are very familiar with this. We read about God's providence, how He brings this dreamer known as Joseph into second in command in all of Egypt. God then brought Israel into the best of the land of Goshen. Pharaoh gave them the land of Goshen. And it was a very well-watered land, sufficient for their livestock. And Israel enjoyed plenty from the land and from the hand of Egypt. Even in Genesis 50, in verse number 25, Joseph gave a prophecy of a future deliverance. He said that God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. 
God would come in a mighty way with a deliverance, and they would carry Joseph's bones out of Egypt. Israel continued for a period of time to experience and enjoy God's blessing in abundance during the time of Joseph's generation. And all signs, if you turn back with me to Exodus 1 and verse 7, all signs poignant to continued prosperity in the land in Exodus 1-7. The children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. So it appears that they are on an upward slope of continued prosperity in the best of the land of Egypt, and nothing could go wrong for the children of Israel. But how could this glorious position that we know that they had be lost in a moment? The change happened with the rise of a new generation who knew not Joseph. We read in Exodus 1 that Israel enjoyed prosperity until there arose another generation that did not know Joseph, until there arose a new king, a new pharaoh over Israel, uh, excuse me, over Egypt that knew not Joseph. Israel's prosperity, their abundance, their might quickly diminished because of the iron fist of Pharaoh. Israel was lifted up out of their blessing and suddenly thrown into affliction. Pharaoh feared their numbers. He feared not only their numbers, but he began to enslave them, for he feared that they would rise up and rebel against Egypt and if Egypt was ever invaded. Pharaoh also put forth an edict that all the Hebrew newborns were to be killed. And this affliction lasted at least a minimum of 80 years. Moses was 80 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, and it is likely that this took place several years before. So 80 to 90 years, Israel would be in this hard bondage in captivity. And on through uh, Moses standing before Pharaoh. So in our passage today, we find Israel who once enjoyed prosperity and blessing and plenty from the Lord, now in a state of affliction, sorrow, crying out, and oppression. But we find out in our passage that God desires to deliver them. So what I seek to make known to you today, what I want you to see today, is that God beholds His people's trials, and He delivers them from their trials. God, in the midst of this terrible trial, was preparing in His providence a deliverer from the people of God. He was preparing a deliverer, which we know as Moses. So I want you to see that God does behold His people's trials, and He will deliver them. I want you to notice, number one with me, that God sees the affliction of His people. Look with me in verse number 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. God sees the affliction of His people. And the word affliction here means the idea of misery or depression. And in our passage, God's people were constantly in a state of misery and depression, no doubt. Here God says in the midst of their affliction, in their midst of their burdens, He says, I see your affliction. 
There's something you must be well aware of today. No matter what situation you've come from in life, God sees your affliction. You might say, the only one that knows about my burden, that knows about the sorrow, that knows about the the burdens and depression that weighs me down is me and no one else. But here the Word of God says, God says to Moses, I see your affliction. What was their affliction? Well, we read in Exodus 1 and verse number 11, they were afflicted with burdens. You remember uh, that Pharaoh would enslave the Egyptians, and he would give them hard burdens to bear, and he would have them build various cities. They were afflicted with burdens. We read in Exodus 1.14 that the Egyptians made their lives bitter with hard bondage. And that word bitter there is derived from two different words, from the word myrrh and bile, indicating something that is very bitter, that they were tasting something that was difficult and unsatisfying. Not only were they afflicted with burdens, but they became bitter. Their affliction brought bitterness. And we also find what brought further affliction in depression in their lives was all the male children were to be killed. We read that in Exodus 1.16 and then cast into the river in verse 22. And this brought even further affliction. Why? Because God promised Abraham, He promised Isaac, He promised Jacob that He would make their seed as the stars of the sky and their seed as the sand upon the seashore. And now their offspring were being killed. They are now thrown into a state of affliction. Those who once enjoyed blessing connected with Joseph's generation now know nothing but cruel affliction. There's another thing you must understand about this affliction that came upon Israel. This affliction came unexpectedly. It came swiftly. And it came in a way that they could not prepare for it. And just as God saw the affliction of His people then, He sees the affliction of His people now. We too are afflicted with burdens hard to carry many times. Many people, many of you may have walked in here today or those that are listening have walked in or you're listening and you're bearing burdens that no one even knows that you carry. It is the burdens of the home, the burdens of the family, the burdens of your health, your ministry, or even your work, or even the future. You're afflicted and weighed down with burdens. And you walk in to a church like this today and you say, does God even care? Does God even see the affliction that I am in today? But here the Word of God says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. So we too are afflicted with burdens hard to carry, just like Israel was. Affliction has brought bitterness to the lives of God's people. How many times have we seen it? When people are in distress, whether it's a home situation, a family situation, a health situation, a work situation, or something that they're worried about in the future, maybe a financial situation, and they've allowed the affliction to create bitterness in their heart and in their soul. They have the why me attitude. God, why is this happening to me? Everyone else around me is enjoying life, but why me? Joy has been zapped from their life. The joy of the Lord is no longer their strength. There's no pep in their step. Something has happened to them. The joy of the Lord has been taken away. Why? Because of bitterness that has come in through affliction. 
We too are afflicted by Egypt. Remember, Egypt is a type of the world. And this affliction from the world comes in wave after wave after wave. We are constantly bombarded by the things of this world, by the things that are in the world, and they are constantly pressuring us and coming in against us, just as Egypt was to the people of God then. Affliction is part of living in this world. It's just part of it. This goes all the way back to the fall of Adam in the garden. We suffer from heartaches. We suffer from injury and disappointments, lack and rejection and sickness. But these trials in our life can often throw even the strongest believer into a state of depression in misery, just as it did here in Israel's day in our text. And these afflictions, as I said came upon Israel unexpectedly, swiftly, and in a way that you cannot possibly prepare for. And it is the very same today. No matter what affliction you may be experiencing today, it has come no doubt upon you swiftly and in a way that you could not prepare for it. But you need to know this, that God sees your affliction. He is not unconcerned. He does not sit afar off. We are not deists. We do not believe that God has separated Himself from the world, that He is unconcerned about the affairs of men. No, God is very much concerned about your affairs today. God sees your affliction. He is not a God afar off. He is a God at hand. And he sees your affliction. He regards it. He observes it. He gives attention to what you are going through. He marks it down and makes a note of it as it were. God sees and is ever mindful of your affliction today. So you can take comfort that no matter what you are going through, God sees your affliction. He not only sees your affliction, but notice with me in verse 7 as well. He hears your cry. Not only sees your affliction, but he says, I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. He not only hears, he hears their cry. Now I want you to understand regarding this cry. This cry literally means a shriek, a cry of distress, crying out for help and aid in time of need. You see this again in verse 9. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. Why this cry? Because of the reason of the taskmasters and their oppression that they are undergoing. Israel in the midst of their affliction and sorrow does the only thing they can do. They cry out to the Lord for help. They had more than enough that they could handle. And their cries now come with shrieks and loud sobs before the Lord. There was nothing that they could do. There was nothing that they could do to deliver themselves. So they were calling on the only one that could. The Lord Himself. They continued to labor in the hot Egyptian sun and ever wondered when God would fulfill His covenant promises to His people. When would God bring us up out of this land that Joseph said would happen and we would carry His bones afar off? When are we going to be delivered from this bondage? Their cry for help was like the cry of an infant looking for their parent. They needed to be rescued. This was a cry of help to the one God that would hear and was moved to act. And Exodus 2 and verse number 23 
hear the word of the Lord. It came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. Listen, when you cry out unto the Lord and you are crying out for him to have mercy. God will hear your cry and he will hear your groaning and he will remember his covenant promises that he has given unto you. So we have good reason to cry out unto the Lord. We as the people of God are weighed down by afflictions and sorrow and become more and more than we can bear. It is then that we cry out to the Lord for help. When we are backed up against a wall, when we are overwhelmed, when we are burdened beyond all measure, it is then that we can cry out to Him and He will hear us. Your cries will awaken as it were the Master. Tears are a language that the Lord understands. You can cry out to Him. He heard to hear with attention and interest. He has interest in your crying. You might think that as you come to the Lord in prayer and your affliction, and as you sob before the Lord, and you're wondering why things are happening in your life, and you don't like the way things are, and you're crying out before the Lord, you might be wondering, does the Lord even hear what I'm saying? Here the Bible says He heard the cry of His people. And I can assure you today that just as God heard the cry of His people then, He still hears the cry of His people today. The Lord delights and has interest in your cries unto Him. He leans over the balcony of heaven as it were, and He lowers down to hear the cries of His people. So what is your burden today? What is it that you're troubled by today? Cry out to Him. He will hear your cry. There is not a cry that He will not hear. Cry out in the midst of your affliction and your sorrow, and He will rescue you from your affliction. I want you to also see with me number three. Not only does God see their affliction and hear their cry, but He knows their sorrows. Look with me there at verse 7. For I know their sorrows. This word sorrow carries the idea of physical or mental pain. The physical and mental pain was produced by their affliction. They were, they were undergoing hard burdens, work and labor by the Egyptians, hard bondage. There was mental pain, there was bitterness, there was bondage that they were undergoing. There was the killing of all the male children, and this brought mental pain upon them. And affliction has a way of wearing you down physically and mentally. And this is a shaft that the devil seeks to use that to, to shoot you at the right point of time in order to bring you to a point of despair, to a point of exhaustion that you throw in the white towel of surrender. Now I know that there is no doubt every single one of us here that had afflictions, we've cried out to the Lord, we have sorrows. But have your sorrows maybe today caused you not just physical pain, but mental pain? You're in a state of depression and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go. Do you feel that you're all alone in your sorrows and no one cares? That no one cares for your soul, as the psalmist said. Can I remind you, there is one that cares. You say, there's no one that prays for me. There is one that does pray for you, the Lord Jesus Christ.
He is there seated at the Father's right hand, and He ever liveth to make intercession for you as a child of God. He says, I know their sorrows. God not only sees your affliction, but He knows your sorrows. You are not by yourself in your depression or your pain. Take comfort today that He knows your sorrow. He knows your sorrows because our Savior was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. God condescended and wrapped Himself in flesh in the second person of the Godhead. And He knows what it is to go through sorrow. He knows what it is to be acquainted with grief. I want you to see fourthly with me. Not only see their affliction and hear their cry, and he knows their sorrows, but he sees the oppression of his people in verse 9. He says, I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Oppression has the idea of distress or pressure. A state of being overburdened or brought to misery. These terms are many times interchangeable. Depression or dullness of the spirit. And as the Egyptians heard their cry unto the Lord for deliverance, I can see it in my mind's eye that they likely increased the pressure. They increased the affliction upon the people of God. Well, you have time to cry out unto God. So we're going to increase the affliction, increase the burden, increase the sorrow in your life. This pressure likely contributed to their mental pain of the people of God. This oppression drove them to a state of depression and a dullness of the spirit. You know what I have found many times? It is true that for us believers that are in a state of affliction and we don't know what to do, we are like those in the scripture that said, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And when we are in that situation and we are afflicted and we are crying to the Lord and we are in sorrow and we are oppressed, it is at that point that many times there becomes a dullness in our spirit. We begin to faint in the time of battle. We no longer have the edge, as it were. There is no longer the zeal for the Lord that we once had in our life. It's been taken away by reason of the bondage and by reason of the sorrow and affliction. Many of them no doubt wonder how long they can continue in this condition until they are worn out entirely physically and mentally. And many times you might even be there. You say, Lord, how long can I continue like this? There's too much stress. There's too much problems in my life. Lord, I'm going to wear out mentally and physically. I just cannot do it. Can I remind you in this passage that God says, I see your affliction, I hear your cry, I know your sorrow, I know your oppression, and I will deliver you. Now that's a promise you can mark it down. God will deliver you from your sorrow and your affliction. It does not mean that He'll do it when you want Him to, but it does mean that He will in His perfect timing and providence. As a people of God today, we are oppressed on every side. This drives many a believer into depression. Oppression has a way of making us spiritually dull, as I said. Satan in the world has a way of increasing the pressure on the child of God. So whether you are afflicted, whether you're in sorrow, whether you're crying out or oppressed, know that God knows. 
He sees. He hears your every trial. He sits on His sovereign throne in heaven and He beholds your trial from there. And can I remind you that the one that sits on the throne in heaven has sovereignly orchestrated the circumstances that you are going through. Everything has been sifted through the hands of God's providence. There's nothing that is happening in your life that is an accident. It's not something that just is mere happenstance. It is working for you a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Whatever has happened in your past and you wonder why did God allow such and such to happen to me? Just remember this, that God has allowed it for a purpose to conform you unto the image of Christ. Everything that God is doing in your life is to conform you more and more unto the image of Jesus Christ. He has a purpose in what He is doing. If we believe that the whole Christian life was purposeless, then we might as well hang up our hat and go home. Everything has a purpose. God is sovereign. We believe in His sovereign majesty ruling over all things. And so God is doing this in the midst of Israel's affliction. So what was happening in Israel? In the midst of all their trials, here Israel is. They're under hard bondage. They're being beaten by the Egyptians. Their children are being snatched from them and being killed. There is sorrow upon sorrow and oppression. And they are crying out to the Lord for a deliverer. And what is amazing is as you read Exodus chapter number 2, God prepares a deliverer for His people. As they are crying out to Him, God is answering their prayer by raising up Moses. Behold the providence of God. God will deliver His people. And behold the providence of God. All the male children were to be killed, but Moses was spared. Moses was brought to Pharaoh's household and shown mercy. Moses was weaned by his own mother. Moses then would fly from Egypt and then he would receive his calling in Exodus chapter number 3. In the midst of all their affliction, God's good sovereign purpose was at work. And God understood, you must understand that God was working his providence about for a deliverance for his people. God is always up to something even though you may see nothing. You might say, well, I don't understand what God is doing, but you can trust that God is working. Spurgeon once said, when you cannot trace His hand, you can trust His heart. And that is so true. When you cannot see what God is doing, you can trust that He is working all things together for good for those that love God and to those who are the called according to His purpose. There is an answer coming, and it may only be the size of a man's hand, but the answer still is on its way. God heard their cries by providing a deliverer for His people. He gave an answer to prayer, and God will provide deliverance for you in your greatest trial, in your greatest need. So God would provide a deliverer. We know this. Israel was in their bondage, and God brought them Moses and Aaron, and Moses and Aaron stood before Pharaoh, and what did they say? Let my people go. Time after time after time after time, and then finally with the death of the firstborn, they were driven out of Egypt, and then they thought all was well until Pharaoh's armies pursued them. 
And there they were, stuck between a rock and a hard place, Pharaoh's armies behind them, the Red Sea before them, fear within them, but thank God, God was above them. And then they passed through the Red Sea. Moses was with them. The Red Sea parted. God parted the Red Sea. They walked across on dry land, and God destroyed the enemy host. A glorious picture of our redemption and deliverance from Egypt and from sin. God had a way of delivering His people, and God did. He brought them out of all their affliction, out of all their sorrow. And can I remind you today that God can do the same for you today as a child of God. That He can bring you out of your affliction, out of your oppression, out of your sorrow. He is a great deliverer. His ear is not deaf that He cannot hear. His hand is not shortened that it cannot redeem. God delights in the prayers of His saints. He loves to hear your voice. He loves to hear you coming before His throne and bringing your petitions before Him. He is a God today that delights in mercy. He is a God today that delights in answering prayer. Jesus said, Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and thine uttermost, uh, and thy uh, petitions for the uttermost parts of the earth. He has promised you answers to prayer. Ask, seek, and knock, and it shall be open unto you. God has promised answers to prayer. We see what God would deliver them to in Exodus chapter 3 in verse number 8. He says, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of the land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So here we find that Israel would be delivered out of bondage unto something. And here we find that they would be delivered out of their bondage, out of the land of Egypt, to a good land, into a large land. This good land and a large land is a picture to us of coming out of bondage into freedom, the freedom that we have in Christ. They would be delivered out of the land of bondage to a land flowing with milk and honey. That is a picture to us of coming out of bondage into blessing, into the blessing of the gospel, the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were delivered out of bondage unto a place of the various tribes, coming out of bondage into promise. Genesis 15, verse number 18 through 21, God promised Abraham that he would give them all these various lands, the promise of the land. God would fulfill his covenant promises to his people. So I wonder today, are you like the Israelites? Are you bearing heavy burdens that you feel are just too heavy? Today, God, behold your trials. Are you and your sorrows greater than you can bear? Are they greater than you can bear? There is one with large shoulders who can bear the burdens of all the world, and you can place your burdens upon him. The psalmist said that he removes the shoulder from the burden, and he delights to remove the burdens of his people. And if he does not remove them, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Sometimes Jesus may not remove the burden, but he will give you a yoke. And that is something that two ox, oxen normally pull together. And what Jesus is saying is, I will get in the yoke, as it were, next to you and help you bear your load, and I will help you carry it through. Have you cried out to him in your trials? His ear is not deaf, as I said. God wants to hear your voice. When the storms are raging all about you, he delights to hear your voice.
Know that God is using your trials in His providence to bring about a deliverance. This is something I want you to get as we're closing here. That God is orchestrating all things for your good and for His glory. Even though you may not fully understand it, God is doing precisely that. He was doing it in Israel's circumstance, even though here... God would speak to Moses and said, I have seen all these things that are happening to my people. I will deliver them. But yet it was still some time in the future that God would bring about that final deliverance. Understand God will deliver you and shall yet deliver you. And it might not happen today. It might not happen tomorrow. But in God's good time, He will bring this deliverance to pass. Trials and storms will not last forever. And God will show Himself mighty in the midst of the trials of our life, just as He did to Israel. He showed Himself mighty again and again and again, giving them sign after sign that He would deliver them. All the signs that God gave to Pharaoh, all the plagues that came upon Pharaoh were signs to Israel that God would deliver them. And then finally there was that great and glorious miraculous event I mentioned, the parting of the Red Sea. This was certain deliverance for God's people. Today God beholds your trials and He will deliver you from your trials. So I don't know what burdens are heavy upon your heart, but you can bring them to the Lord. Maybe you're not even a child of God. Maybe you're lost, undone in sin, and know nothing of God's marvelous grace. Know nothing about deliverance. What is this deliverance you're speaking of? Well, this deliverance is found alone in Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of sinners. He delights to save sinners. And He delights to bring people out of the bondage of sin and to the glorious liberty of the sons of God. He delights to bring them out of darkness into His marvelous light. He delights to bring people out of the pit and the mire of sin unto the higher plane, the higher rock of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. He delights this day to take sinners and bring them to Himself. You see, many people are bound today by various sins, but they can find freedom alone in Jesus Christ. So our message this morning is deliverance from our trials. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the word of the living God. We want to thank you for these truths and how you speak and how you minister to us. God, I pray that something that I have said today would be a help and an encouragement to thy people. Not because I have said it, because your word says it. God, I am thankful today that you see our affliction. That God, you hear our cries. And God, you behold our sorrow. And God, you know our oppression. And yet, God, you have promised us that you would deliver us from all of these trials. We thank you for the great deliverer of our souls, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has saved us and birthed us into the kingdom of the living God. And we thank you for the marvelous work of salvation. God, calling us out of darkness into thy marvelous light for setting your love upon us from all of eternity and calling us to salvation in time and bringing to pass that great eternal plan of redemption that you have planned for thy people. And God, so I pray today as we would leave these, this place in the few moments ahead, that God, that you would be with us and encourage us. God, we now come to thy table and we meditate, God, upon the glorious work of Jesus Christ 
the one who became sin for us who knew no sin, in order that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. God, we meditate upon that great Deliverer. God, we thank You, Lord, that we once were in bondage to sin. God, we once were afflicted in, in sorrow over our sin, but we thank You, Lord, that the Lord Jesus has delivered us from it all. That God, that He has written His name uh, upon our hearts. God, He has ripped out the heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh. We thank You for the marvelous work of redemption. God, we thank You for the one that hung between heaven and earth for us, the one who shed His blood in order that we might have eternal redemption. So God, it is my prayer, it is my desire now that as we would come around the table, that God, You would still our hearts, still our minds, help us to be focused upon the work of redemption that the Lord Jesus has performed for us. We ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.